and welcome to the podcast for the journal Integrated Environmental Assessment and Management, better known as IEAM. I'm Jenny Shaw. The October 2014 issue of IEAM contains an article that presents international research priorities for pharmaceuticals and personal care products as identified by scientists around the world. The authors of that paper are Murray Rudd, Gary Ankley, Alastair Boxall, and Brian Brooks. Today we're speaking with lead author Murray Rudd, who's a senior lecturer in environmental economics at the University of York in the UK. Murray, thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me, Jenny. So what were your goals in conducting such a global analysis? From the PPCP perspective, we were very interested in identifying priorities uh, from questions that we'd earlier identified in a, at a workshop in North America. So um, we had 20 questions at the workshop plus two others that had been identified in subsequent workshops. And we were interested in just seeing how those sorted out. So we, we, we knew what the important questions were in, from the workshop. We wanted to go through and uh, see how those ranked uh, internationally to see if there was differences in rankings in different parts of the globe or amongst different segments of the uh, community. And also to use the, uh, the survey that we had to use it to solicit extra questions to see if we really missed anything along the way. I think that there was some interesting information that sorted out after you did this exercise, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. How exactly do you conduct a survey of this magnitude? What, what sorts of methods did you use to analyze the responses? Well, there's a number of different components to the study that really need to be sorted in order. And usually in this type of survey, the most difficult thing is actually getting the sample. When we're dealing with scientists, our, our sample frame, the people that we draw the actual uh, sample from, ideally is all scientists working on PPCPs recently across the world. Now, fortunately for us, we can go to the ISI Web of Science website and find out who the people that are actively publishing in the field are. And there's actually email contact information in the ISI Web of Science records. So that's how we construct our survey. So the first thing we do is put together the sample that we need. The second thing, of course, that we need is a survey design, which relates to our research questions about wanting to rank the priorities among all these different scientists. So we used a, an internet-based survey. number of reasons for that, some of them practical. It makes data collection and collation much easier. But some of them were very important for the survey itself, the types of questions that we ask. And the, the key thing in, in this survey, we had a series of questions where we asked people to rank only four out of the 24 questions at any one time. So we showed them a subset of four and we said, which one is the best or which one's the most important, which one's the least important. And by repeatedly doing that for every individual, we can get to the situation where we can actually rank the full list of 22 for each individual. And that's what we need to do if we want to be able to later ask questions about you know, do the ecotoxicologists differ in opinions from the the chemists? So the the whole process of developing the survey, it takes some time and some thinking. And then when we get to the data analysis, the, once the data is in and collected, we have um, some time to go through and, you know, apply some different types of methodologies 
to these ranking questions and also to the explanatory factors that we had in the survey. So very step-by-step along the way, but always with the view ultimately of trying to be able to rank the full list of 22 questions for every individual. I've been talking about this magnitude, but um, can you give people an idea of the sample size you were working with? I believe we our sample was around, okay, so it was actually 2,200 that were delivered. But we ran into this thing with, a, we did a very vague ISI search. So um, poor Brian went through abstracts and actually classified those that were potentially relevant versus not relevant. Even though it was a, lar- a bit larger sample than 2,200, we had 919 visit the website and 535 completed. Sounds like it's a big task for both the survey participants and you, the organizers. Yeah, and one of the things that we really appreciate, of course, is that people take the time to do this. And we always appreciate seeing some really thoughtful comments coming through in, in the comments that are written in. What's fascinating are the different responses that you receive from scientists in various countries and sub-disciplines. Can you tell us about some of the differences in the trends in the responses? Uh, yes, it, it was really interesting taking a look at this and doing the analysis um, of, of how the priorities really differed across different segments. And one of the things that was uh, very interesting was that it was really only eight out of the full list of 22 questions that were really the fulcrum questions. They were the ones that really sort of helped set the sample or cleave the sample apart into different groups that varied in their uh, priorities. And what what we saw, there was numerous different ways technically that we could have gone through and divided this up according to demographics or with regards to other factors. What we found was that we ran both English and and Chinese language versions of the survey. And what we found was that the priorities were very different among the English respondents and the Chinese respondents. So that was sort of our first cleavage. On the Chinese side, the respondents put a relatively low emphasis on issues regarding ecotoxicology and uh, some of the technical issues uh, relating to things like um, bioavailability of residues and, and different things like that. Then when we go to the English respondents, which were by far the majority of the survey, roughly 500 respondents, within the English speaking group, What we saw was differences that were really defined by how consistently the respondents answered the survey. And what I mean by that is when people repeat 15 questions, uh, ranking questions, they'll see several items two, three, maybe even four times. And if they're making consistent decisions, they should be ranking in a consistent way where if they're seeing something that's important in one question, it also becomes important in another question. And statistically, we can tell how consistent the people are at the end of the survey. Can you tell us about one of the highly ranked ones and why why you think it scored higher than the other questions? Yeah, well, I, I won't go right to the top of the list. The most important question in the uh, overall ranking was in relation to long-term or the effects of long-term exposure of low concentrations of PPCBs on um, uh, non-target organisms. But if we go down the list a little bit, down at number seven in the aggregate list, there's a question, how important are PPCPs relative to other chemical and non-chemical stressors in terms of their biological impacts on the natural environment? 
And there was a couple of interesting things with this question, actually. One was that it acted as a real cleavage or a real uh, dividing point within the survey. We had six different clusters that we identified, so six different groups of respondents that varied significantly in their priorities. And this question about the relative role of, of PPCPs versus other stressors was really the central question in dividing this group apart. The other thing that was really interesting with this question was that it was ranked number seven in this exercise. It was ranked number one by the participants uh, from the workshop in 2011, the original workshop. So there was some difference in priorities there, not as much or not as big of a difference as with some of the other questions, though. So we have different insights that we can sort of bring to bear. We can start to understand, okay, who really puts a priority on a certain type of question and who doesn't? What are the differences? And ultimately, what happens if we put them into a, a science policy advice situation? Depending on who you're asking, you're going to be getting very different answers there. So after all this was done, what did you find most surprising about the survey? Uh, I think just the the magnitude of the difference between the rankings from the workshop participants and what we saw in this survey, the people that are out working in the field as basically scientists across different disciplines that are working on PPCP-relevant questions. We saw some huge divergence, and we saw... For example, looking through the list to the number two question in this survey, the number two priority was about effluent treatment methods and basically what type of methods are effective in reducing the effects of PPCs in the environment while not increasing the toxicity of whole effluent. So it's a very waste-oriented sort of technical question. Number two overall in, in the survey, number 18 at the workshop that was conducted in Ontario in 2011. And um, in the paper, you, you, you and your authors mentioned that one goal of this exercise was to basically help inform future collaborations between industry, government, and academics. But do you also see the potential for international collaborations now that you've identified different uh, cultural priorities? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that uh, has come through, not just in this survey, but some of the other ones that I've done internationally as well, is that the the more important differences seem to be disciplinary rather than regional. So if you have an ecotoxicologist from India and an ecotoxicologist from Belgium, the odds are that they're going to be much closer in their priorities than people in different disciplines are going to be. And when policymakers and industry are looking for science advice, it will be important in the future to make sure that the disciplines are balanced out as well as the regions, and it will open up some interesting opportunities for collaboration at an international level and new types of cross-disciplinary collaboration that starts to involve groups that really never traditionally have worked together. Thank you so much for joining us, Murray. You're welcome. You've been listening to Murray Rudd discuss his article, International Scientists' Priorities for Research on Pharmaceuticals and Personal Care Products in the Environment. Access the article in the October 2014 issue of IEAM. Just go to ctacjournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.